0: what's going on welcome to totally blitz podcast we in the fight zone breaking down everything that was usc 285 john jones versus zero gone and as always before we start this go down like and subscribe drop your comment of your thoughts and everything else let's get into it i'm paul pick a win on concha with the egg (laughs) on my head and i'm joined with
1: i'm the fight expert (laughs) the fortune teller the seer of the future that motherfucker, little KK, <laughs> a.k.a. the realest motherfucker on your screen, a.k.a. Mr. I will never be wrong. Oh
0: well, shit! Man. I'm not going to lie, Kev hit some nails on the head. Before we get into it, let's dissect what was 285. We saw some new champions, multiple new champions. We saw a banger of fights in the prelims to the main card. But also, Kev, did you know this was like the fifth highest grossing gate in UFC history?
1: I thought that was insane. I saw the numbers and I was like, "Yo, this is like up there with Conor and um Khabib." And I was like, "Oh, well, wow!"
0: The only thing beating this, like- the only one beating this, is like the three Conor fights. This was the yeah. I thought of Connor, This would be number one.
1: I feel like real shit. I really feel like everybody came out to that fight. You know, how you guys said um the Jake Paul felt like a big fight. I really felt like this was a big fight. Everybody took a chance to be out there. Nobody missed this one. If you could be in Vegas that night, you were there.
0: No, and, uh, like, I feel like sometimes some gates gross a lot. Not the Conor ones, because Conor's always put on the show. But, like, when they were trying to make, like, mega fights in UFC and they would, like, do really well pay-per-view, there would be some, like, like dull-ass fights. Like, they wouldn't perform as high as, as people would have thought they would have. I felt like this card really showed out. Like, everyone who was put onto this card to show something showed something. Like, whether it be Duplessis getting the finish over Brunson, and I think Brunson's done after this, or like, Brunson's, Brunson's debut. Like, everyone that had, like, something to them, they really came and they showed, like, like, like Ian Gary. Like, people really showed out this card.
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, I that was a nail on the head. Everybody came and said, yo, but." I'm fighting on the John Jones GOAT card. This is gonna be what's in the goat. So I'm about to fuck them boys. I'm gonna show them what's up. Every fight meant something, I felt like on this card. Everyone, like I couldn't even tell you what my favorite was is. I couldn't even tell what my favorite moment of the card is. Like there was just so many high moments. It was just straight energy. Oh shit was going crazy.
0: Off the first fight, the early prelims, first fight was Rebelvix and Rodzivov. And like Rebovics got his first L in MMA. He he was eleven and no, nine eleven one. one, but like it was such a high level fight. Like you could tell the skill level in that fight. Like the the, the striking, the takedown defense, and then like the black shear fight was next. Like it was such high level, such a jump. Like I felt like that was the difference between this card and a lot of other like high pay-per-view cards. It was like you don't expect much from the prelims. Like this pre early prelims, like these motherf- like these are some high level fighters. Even though they weren't ranked, they're were like young talent that the UFC expect to be ranked in the next year or two. And I was like, this is like I can't say enough about the car. Phenomenal car.
1: They made up for the last two weeks, you think?
0: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, let's talk the or the featured early prelim fight, Ian Gary again, round three TKO over uh Song Keenan, uh, Song Keenan and Ian Gary posted Kenan's face on his Instagram, because it was all like battered, and people were wondering, why would you post your opponent's face on And then he went on Air Hawaii show and said, like, I posted his face because I'm like an artist, and his face is my canvas. And that was the art that I displayed was what I did to his face. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Like, I, I, I can't not, like, I continue to fuck with Ian Gary even more, but, like, he showcased, like, he he's truth, like, His striking really is, like, top-notch. Like, double the total strikes. Every strike he landed was a significant strike. He did get knocked down, but he did beat the chinny allegations. He showed that he has a chin.
1: But that fight is so crazy, right? On the show, I picked Ian Gary, no problem. I said, yo, Ian Gary, love to see him. Not Connor, but you're a great guy. Motherfucking... When I got to the Twitter space, they had so much praise for song Keenan. They had so much praise for my Twitter space. You know what? I'm over here like, you know what? Ian Gary ain't shit. <laughs> I come, this fight comes on, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I knew what I said. He ain't shit. Drop him song, beat his ass. Oh, Ian Gary said, oh, for real? That's how the fuck y'all feel? Let me tie him up. Oh my gosh. Masterclass. He really put on he just put straight hands to him for a two and a what what a round and a half.
0: Yeah, just like turned up on him.
1: Just turned the fuck up and said, "Yo, like three months." I wanted to see another round. I'm not gonna lie to you. They should have, the ref should let them fight a little. Like he just fucked him up. Definitely a great showing for him. Definitely. I think he's deserving the hype that's behind him, not just because he came from Cage Warriors and he's Irish like Conor, but because like yo, he can. He's showing that he can come back from adversity, and that's tough.
0: Yeah, and like he, they keep putting him on big cards. He continues to showcase, like he finished he gets finishes, and like I think that's gonna do well with his UFC career. Like he, he's entertaining.
1: Like my dog is soft cut. Huh?
0: Yeah, we'll get him a little bit later. Let's skittle on up to the prelims. I mean, Derek Brunson, we both took him as an underdog here, but Drikas Duplass just showed up for South Africa. People, it was so funny to me to the build-up because people were showing like plus duplexes videos and they are like, what if I said this guy's more African than Israel Adesanya? And like, <laughs> and, like were, and it's true. Like, he is South African. 19-2. and I think he's undefeated in the UFC. He just beat a former title contender, Derek Brunson. I think Brunson's over after this fight. But, Dupless at one it was early in the first round. Duplessis was on his back and Brunson was had him in, in near like he had him in the uh, side uh hold and I was like, oh shit, like Brunson may be able to get like a choke here. Brunson may be this able- is gonna be able to ride this out for five minutes. Like this is gonna be good for me. And then Duplessis ended the, up like reverse, not reversing, but like reversing enough to be able to sprawl out of it. And I was like, oh shit, Duplessis is showing like like he looks so wild. And he he is wild, but then in certain moments he does some shit where you're like, oh, okay, like he has control of himself. Like he looks wild to the average viewer, but he is in control. Like he knows what he's doing. And like I don't know how far he'll go in the middleweight, but I fuck, he is fun to watch. This man keeps getting finishes.
1: I fuck with him, man. I'm. I will never allow others to change my my view on Ian Gary ever again.
0: Well, Derek Brunson, I don't know if he retired, but I did see a lot of people in MMA Twitter saying that he's done. So I don't know if he actually retired or if they were just, like, accepting, like, this is, like, the Tony Ferguson moment. Like, okay, Brunson, Brunson's no longer that title good guy. Like, it be, this is the the time to get off the roller coaster.
1: I officially hate Derek Brunson. Why? Hate,
0: what do he do to you? I
1: I, I hated him when he talked shit to Izzy. I hated him when he talked shit to um. I hated him when he got, into that, when he got knocked out by Cannoneer. And now I really hate this mother trucker because you go from title, literally contender. Like, if you have won that fight, you would have fought International Fight week. Yeah. Rematch, Izzy, got your ass whooped, but nobody would have said nothing. You would have made great numbers, and you would have had a nice little check, headline in the pay-per-view. Instead, this motherfucker gets tired after putting them things on him in the beginning of the fight. Motherfucker wants to get tired and really forget Where the fuck he's at and He gassed down
0: the first round. He thought he had him in that Like I said he had him in that top position. He kinda wasted his energy.
1: The fact that motherfucking he got top he got full mount on top and got reversed the shit out of his ass and went immediately back to the feet, I was like, Wow. He's he's literally doing what we said he all he didn't have to do. As long as you stayed in control, kept pushing the pace and breathe, motherfucker. You would have been straight, but no, let's go ahead and try to hurry up and get this finished instead. Let's get finished again, like I did in my last fight, and what I'll probably do in my next fight. You feel me? So, this is why I hate Derek Brunson.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I said, it's time to get off the roller coaster. He done his like Derek Lewis, Derek Brunson, something with the Derek right now.
1: Derek Brunson, Togi Ferguson.
0: I'm the same. It all goes together. Who kind of righted of his ship and righted his history was Cody Garbrandt. He got the win over unranked Trevon Jones, bantamweight win, Uh Brad, that take, decision.
1: Bro, that takedown was crazy.
0: And I was shocked he went for it because Trevon Jones, the BJJ, that's the one thing I gave him was like, okay, on the mat, he he should have the advantage. So for him, Garbrandt to get the sh- not just one, but he got multiple takedowns. kind of comfortable there there wasn't a lot of punches thrown for a fight that involved Cody Garbrandt but it was kind of like technical striking it was kind of like striking that was used to set up other aspects of the game it wasn't it was a Cody Garbrandt that didn't seem like he was looking for the knockout on the feet like he was okay with going to the judges beating you tactically and I always like Cody Garbrandt because he seems like a, a real like he kind of seems like if someone was to describe who the Diaz brothers were, they would probably picture Cody Garber in their head. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, you're trying to, you finally meet the Diaz brothers, and you're like, oh, they're more stoner than I thought they were. But, like, Cody Garber seems like one of the more, like, real cup from the cloth kind of people. Like, I, I would honestly like to see like a Cody Garber documentary because I don't ever see – I don't ever hear much about him. But I, when I hear him talk, I'll be listening.
1: My favorite – tough one of my favorite tough seasons is – T.J. Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt, that was awesome.
0: Snake in the Grass. Oh, that was the Connor one, but like, it kind of carried over from that Connor one.
1: Every time Cody Garbrandt had a chance to to steal this man, um, Dillashaw, he did. At one point, you literally
0: strangled him, just started yeah, choking him. That's <laughs> my favorite one because, like, the for reality TV knows how to work camera angles perfectly. Because, like, the camera angle is one way you see them like face to face. Next camera angle, you see this man like choking him through the doors. I was <laughs> like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, Bro, really had him on some. Why you little?
1: Why you little? Like Brad,
0: Dillashaw's just like arms up, like trying to be the bigger guy. Like, I'm not, just, I'm not like, getting involved. Oh, like like Dillashaw's just
1: over here. Oh my face! <laughs> oh my face! Shut, <laughs> my face. Shut your mouth up, something. Like, you know what? But. And they had my favorite, um, you know how was coach versus coach. They have a little um game or something. Yeah, this man Cody Garber, was whooping. Um, I forget what the game called where you hit it and it goes all around the thing.
0: Oh, like tetherball.
1: Mm-hmm. But Dana had him over a pool. Shit was huge. It was crazy. It was kind of cool. Cody Garber had this man. He was one. He was one away, and T.J. Dillashaw only had one. DJ saw came all
0: the way back and busted ass. <laughs> I got, got everyone, but like, that. I love Cody Garber as a person, but let's not act like beating Trevon Jones is like a career saver. Like uh, some people are thinking he may be back. Like no, this is like he beat like I think it's like Trevon Jones is ranked like 52nd in a weight or something. I was like, okay, like, fine. yeah, you beat a guy who you probably should have beat. So like, let let's see where you go from here.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna try my dog Trevon Jones because we did pick him, but like, we beat somebody that we wouldn't be surprised if we seen him Bellator in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, we picked a lot of dogs, and as we know, it was like 11 straight favorites at one point. So like, Trevon Jones, Derek Brunson, were some of our dog picks, and we like, we should have known. We should have known it was an all favorite type of day.
1: Immediately, we knew he wasn't making no money. <laughs>
0: Then we jump into the main card. Let's talk about the UFC debut. Bo Nickel. I was hyping him up. I like you. You somewhat hyped him up, but you said let's pump the brakes a little bit. But Kev, I need to hear your words. Like, how did Bo Nickel impress you? Did did he did he make you a fan?
1: The next year or two, Bo Nickel is about to be a straight up problem. I'm not gonna lie to you. Bo he's Nickel gonna, is an issue. He's gonna make. He's really gonna put niggas on watch for a sec. He has he has the wrestling. He has the submissions. But what I liked about him most was his pace. He knew that he was coming to get br out of there. So his pace was insane. And that reminds me of those world class wrestlers. Because if you ever watch like a world class wrestling finals, paces goes crazy those first rounds his pace was insane like you're not going to be able to keep up the lower level fighters especially people that aren't even ranked in the top 15 you're not going to be able to motherfucking keep up with that like it's going to be a damn like people are going to really fuck with blow nickel because he's literally blowing by his entire competition until he runs into some great talent so i think for the next year or two he's going to be fucking motherfuckers up and quickly but at the moment We'll see. We'll see how far he goes, man. He does have a nice, strong division. We'll see. We'll see how that shit goes.
0: And like at middleweight, like he, I think he's gonna get the Hamzat treatment. He may have to fight three unranked guys, and then with the way he demolishes them, then he gets like a fucking a top like a number five guy at middleweight type thing. Like, and we've seen Marvin Vittori, who doesn't have the same like collegiate wrestling background as him. Straight up dominate, get his way to the top five, and then kind of stall out. But he dominated his way to the top five, and like Bo Nickel, way better wrestler than him. And if he can continue to get his hands the way he is and work in the BJJ the way like he has showcased, like he really has, he could really be a problem.
1: Nah, B is an issue. Like as of right now, it's a fucking issue. I want to see what his striking looks like. I feel like what did they throw? One punch.
0: Uh, he threw, like, six uh, total. The other guy threw two, only landed one. But also, like, this is middleweight, where a division where it doesn't get respected to be deep in the top 15. It's more top heavy. But, like, let's say Bo Nickel fights another unranked guy next fight. And, like, these unranked people, they fight fairly quick. And the way Bo Nickel didn't take damage is not unrealistic to see him. I would say I would see him an international fight week in July for sure. Let, if that doesn't happen, maybe even sooner. And if uh let's say he wins that fight against some another unranked contender series type of guy. And then they book Marvin Vittori versus Bo Nickel. I I don't know how you don't pick Bo Nickel in that fight. Like I love Marvin Vittori. I love God like Marvin Vittori gets slept on. Like he like he'd be dominating wrestlers. He be dominating people outside of Izzy. But then it's like, when like Bo-Nickel into the octagon against someone who can only wrestle, I I just don't know how you don't pick Bo-Nickel then. Yeah. Niggas like
1: Izzy and Robert Whitaker can't really fuck with them. Um, Marvin vittoria
0: can't fuck with. Yeah, that's, that's the next episode. It's top, super top-heavy. But outside of that, like Bo-Nickel has an argument to probably beat anyone else. Then let's go to our other wrestling motherfucker, Gamrot, getting the split-decision win over Jalen Turner. I thought it was a close fight. I thought Turner did enough to win. But I also see the w- reason why Gamrot run with this controlled time. But, like, Turner was defending a lot of the takedowns. There were sometimes he got caught, couldn't get back up. But he did score a knockdown. There was – I just felt like he did the more damage out of the two. That's the only reason why I thought Turner in a close fight would have got the nod.
1: You know what I'm noticing? I know whenever I wear these short ass shorts, I'll be trying to get up and shit. I be, think i would be trying to show America my legs and shit. I feel like that's what I'm talking about.
0: You work on them, you got
1: shown now. I'm telling you, but nah. This was, I, I'm i not even going, because, you know, I'm quick to scream, hey, Gamrot, Robin, Grant, Gamrot, you thief. Gamrot, you. I'm not going to lie. I definitely feel like he won those last two rounds. And I think Jalen Turner won the first just off of this offer I've only seen the fight once. I would love to go see it again. Give it some time to come back out. But I think Gamrot, just They boys were just two hitters. They came ready to fuck. What shit up? I feel like Jalen I feel like Gamrod's wrestling was so superb. Jalen Turner had to watch for the takedowns 24-7. So he couldn't um he couldn't he couldn't let his hand go like he wanted to. But regardless, he still got taken down. And then he just knew that he could get back up because Gamrock couldn't hold him down. So I can see that I don't me personally, I don't know what the fuck judges be looking at. So I couldn't tell you if they're giving him the the round because he took him down and had the control time if he's respecting it. Or if they're giving it him the round because he felt like there's more damage. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck judges looking at. But I will give it to Gamron. It was a great fight. I feel like he, his wrestling was on point from round one in his gas tank.
0: He's used a- to five rounders right now.
1: Yeah, his gas tank was on point. So, like, I give him respect. Shout out Gamrat for winning this fight, even though he made me look stupid.
0: My biggest takeaway here was... Gamra is a one-trick pony, but he does his one trick so fucking well that like it, like it's gonna be hard to stop him unless you are like a superb wrestler, or superb takedown defender like Darius Ash was. Jalen Turner, go link up with my boy Henry Cejudo. All right, go link up with him. Get some training under Cejudo. Get the get the takedown defenses. Get the get the wrestling in the bag. You're so fucking long and like strong, where like you're gonna beat everyone on the stand up, but like. Add in the factor that, okay, this person can no longer take me down because I am a, a, a good wrestler now. I have a good wrestling foundation. And then I think you're going to become a legitimate super problem.
1: You know what's funny about the Henry Cejudo to comment? Two things, right? So, one, there's a clip of John Jones practicing what he did in his fight. We'll talk more about it when we cover that fight.
0: It's a Cejudo, I, I saw the Cejudo clip. Yeah.
1: That shit was clean. But it's funny because of... Khabib, somebody asked Khabib about Sergey, and they said, "Hey, yo, you need to come to Russia, man. Come to Dagestan. We're gonna <laughs> teach. We're gonna teach you wrestling. We're gonna teach you wrestling four or
0: five years. Come back, become champion. <laughs> Get you right. Let's <laughs> take a layoff. And you're. And honestly, like I don't think that's shade. Like that, because think of it. It's like Khabib. Like these people don't care about the money or nothing. It's more about." becoming champion so like they'll be willing to take a two-year layoff if it meant when I come back I'm gonna be championship ready.
1: Become champion you feel me so that shit is funny that you said that but yeah hey take your ass to Henry Cejudo homie we're trying to get some more dubs i fuck with you Jalen Turner I feel like you should be a top three fighter in your weight class one day.
0: I really want to Turner to turn up because I want him to turn up and then, then Fandora from boxing who's like in the same lightweight division, six foot four, like the same type of shit as Turner. Like you should not be this tall and long for this division. Then we are uh, third and last fight. Some of the people I think it one fight of the night here shot uh for Rock Menoff getting the sub in the third round over Geoff Neal and I mean. I, it wasn't scored a knockdown, but Geoff Neal definitely rocked him and like dropped him to his knee for a second. He got back up, shrugged it off, continued on to like the master class performance I felt like he was having. Whether it was in the ground game, shooting on submissions, whether it was on a stand up, yeah, he would get hit with a couple, but he was definitely landing way more than he was getting hit with. Like he so I I love uh, Rockman off, and this is the perfect test of like, we need someone that has a lot of power. Let's test your chin. Let's see if you can really go up against somebody who can box with the best of them. And I felt like his kickboxing prevailed.
1: First off, shout out my dog, Shop If you really know this, is the motherfucking Shop Zone. Respect to my dog, Off Rip, just because motherfucking Jeff Neal missed, the, missed weight by four pounds. Like, it yep. wasn't even. Was, he wasn't even close. Like, if you lose by, if you lose, miss weight by .6, if you miss lose, if you miss weight by .1, .2, oh, you were close. My bad, homie. I feel bad for you. If you miss weight by a pound, we're looking like, damn, kid, you got to figure something out. When you step on that scale four pounds over, you're looking like, what the
0: fuck? You weren't doing something right.
1: Yeah, they was like, bro, did you even try? Like, it's when Hasma Gandhi, there, he was seven pounds over. Bro, did you even try? Smiling. So, uh, no, he was fat. And the fact that he still took the fight, Um, Shabcock still took the fight, no problem. And then we did the research, you lose 30% of your purse. But Dana said, Dana's exact words were, I don't give a fuck that um, Jeff Lilla didn't make weight. I'm going to pay him anyways.
0: Hey, I mean, it was Friday the night. And Dana White makes Dana White the king of like bending the rules on the fly.
1: Yeah, and nobody remembers it.
0: No, yeah, no one's gonna remember this like five years from now. Like, damn, I remember Jeff because this was Jeff Neal's only time missing weight too. It's not like he's perpetual weight mister. It's fine, man. Play, play the like conspiracy music because I think he did it on purpose. I think Jeff Neal. I mean, calling me crazy, but like. I feel like he knew that Rog Minoff was gonna have the ground game like over him, so like come in a little bit heavier, like almost like when Paulo did it against uh, Izzy, where like I feel like Paulo came in overweight on purpose, where like he wanted to have like the power like difference, and I feel like Neil wanted two things: he wanted to be able to have weight when it hit the mat, and the second reason was he wanted his shots to land at full power, where he knew he might not beat him crispy, but like. I'll land one that may knock you out if I'm a little heavier. That's
1: that's
0: my hot take right there. I think he did it on purpose.
1: Wow, I didn't even think about that. It's possible. Anything what Kevin Garnett say? Anything's possible. Hey, you
0: don't want to lose your ranking and then you beat like one of the hottest contenders in like UFC at the moment. No one's gonna care. You're at a couple pounds over.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome fight. I feel like Jeff Neal, this is another fight where if I feel like he kept trying to let, if he could let his hands go a little bit more, because he was taking shots. So, th- this chin is pretty solid. But if he had let his hands go a little bit more, I feel like he could have caught Shafkot a little bit more. Because Shafkot was not trying to get out of there. There's no dodging in Shafka. No, There's
0: he no- was definitely getting hit.
1: There's no dodgy. He doesn't weave. He doesn't move. Because they kept saying that in the chat. They said this is going to be a good fight because they, um, Shopkot doesn't move his head for nothing. And they actually, and um Gabriel, shout out that boy Gabriel who was on, the, um, who was on the page, who was on the um live stream with us. He made a great point. He was like, this is probably one of Shopkot's better fights where he was moving his head and moving his body and staying loose and stuff. He really just being there to do his work when he gets in there. And he's good, he's talented, and he's strong. So he gets his work in, and he does it how he does it. But that's going to be an issue later down the line, especially in championship, because you're going to see that immediately in film. Like, we all saw it during the fight.
0: Yeah, and uh, it was one of his best performances, moving the body and the head, but he still got caught. So it's not like he's he's crisp at it yet. Like, he still has to keep working, because once he moves up to the high – if, if Kamara Usman lands those shots and Leon Edwards lands those shots, like it, it, it lights out type of deal.
1: It's Gilbert, Gilbert oh, Burns. Gilbert Burns, low key,
0: has the power too to just knock your lights out.
1: Before hate Miles Brown lands a
0: I'm playing. No, cut that out. Cut that out. Hey, <laughs> anything is possible though. As we jump into this co-main event, we saw the dethroning. Something we didn't think we'd ever seen in our lifetime. The dethroning of a- uh, Sefchenko against Al- Alexa Grasso, their new flyweight champion, with the rear naked choke in the fourth round. Not only did she beat her, but the one way that no one gave her a shot of, she did it. With a fucking submission.
1: Bro, I learned a long time ago, please do not try niggas. Don't tell niggas about to how they found it win. Jamal Hill said, shut y'all asses up. i finna. I'm finna defend these motherfucking takedowns, get out on bottom, and motherfucking and motherfucking win by decision. I don't need to knock him out to get this belt unanimously bust my ball right. So that's what Grasso did this week. He said, Bro, I'm not stressing these motherfuckers. Oh I'm gonna get a knockout bet. We're gonna practice submissions. All motherfucking camp. And when she throws that we ass kick, she's gonna we're gonna catch that and get that on, get that choke in immediately head straight to it and like when she seen it it was headhunting I think it's probably one of the, definitely probably one of the biggest probably going to end up being one of the biggest upsets of the year it was awesome just to see Grasso I don't know how motherfuckers had um, Grasso winning the whole fight but in the chat they literally changed the name to Grasso Zone way before the third they did. round so I was like Grasso Zone is crazy but <laughs> they she ended up pulling it off so I think that was great she looked good doing it. And now I just want to see, like, yo, keep the same energy, man. Viva Mexico. You've got another Mexican champion, man. But keep this. She got to keep that energy. She got to defend that bitch.
0: Two phases. Shout out my boy Mexicans. We got another champion. But there's going to be a fight where similar to Amanda Nunes losing to Esparza. I can't wait for the rematch. Is I felt like it's similar to Usman against Edwards, too. I don't care. People are really trying to sell me, like, oh, Edwards is going to win the rematch. It's like, did we not watch the same fight where Edwards was getting worked for, like, four and a half minutes?
1: Like, I mean,
0: like, four and a half rounds? Like, Shevchenko, I'm not saying it worked for four rounds, but if this was going to decision, like, if they would have went one more round, like, Shevchenko would have won a nameless decision. Like, pretty, pretty... Uh, definite like the takedowns the takedown control the more significant strikes and it was just like you got caught so this is a fight where I can't wait for the rematch where the odds are going to be super close because Grasso is the new champion and I can't wait to bet Shevchenko as like a a pick him straight up
1: no that's fine but how do you feel about champions tapping out I feel like that look because if you look how Valentina tapped out she didn't tap out on She said. Like, she like realized I didn't even me.
0: tell. I couldn't even tell it was a, a tap until the fight was over.
1: She was like, I seen it. I'm like, yo, she tapping. She goes, like, she had she had this and she might have hit her knee once. And the ref was like, oh, yeah, she's done.
0: Hey, I, you want to see the people willing to die in there, but some people you have to get, the, like, when you're like, Chef Chang was such a high class warrior that she's been in so many wars and dominating fashion where I'm like, I can give you the pass of like, All right, you tap. And it's not even like you – like, some people, you you can tell once it hits the mat, they're not even trying. Like, okay, like, I'm done. Whereas, like, Shevchenko, like, she – for a good minute, she was trying not to get that chin. Like, she was trying her best to pull that bitch off. at a certain point, you know, like, I'm not getting out of this, and I'm done. Like, it's locked in. Hell,
1: yeah, that's so crazy. I can imagine what happened if she got up because there was like 36 seconds left. She probably would have no air in
0: her head if she. Had and already. I hope, I hope it's a rematch because then I think Shevchenko gets the dub. But a whole bunch of like Aaron Blanchfield has definitely made a a, a reason onto why she may be next. Like fuck a rematch off rip. But I think Shevchenko being the champion she is, for how long she was, she has the right for like a rematch. Uh, off it, right, brother. It's Aaron Blanchfield
1: Shevchenko fight. I'd rather see that than the motherfucking uh, Grasso versus Shevchenko.
0: Hey, I it just I can't see I can't see UFC telling Shevchenko like after all these years like you're gonna have to go fight someone else before you want a rematch for your belt.
1: Oh uh, yeah, and you know what's funny? She said Joe Rogan asked if you want a rematch. You like, yeah, I want revenge.
0: Hey. A revenge season, I just say, I can't wait for the real. But shout out, Grasso! Like, she did the impossible. She not only did she beat someone that everyone had her as a huge underdog in, but she did it in a fashion nobody picked her ass. So, like, no, like, I know that feels great. Like, you really does like, shock the world. Any the fourth biggest gate in UFC history, everybody was watching. Everybody's gonna know the Grasso name now. Hell uh, yeah, no, for
1: real. Then, Viva
0: Mexico. Vivo Mexico. But let's get into the main event here. We saw Jon Jones return to the UFC at heavyweight against the number one heavyweight fighter in the world, ranked in UFC's terms. Not only did he win, but he did it in spectacular fashion, easy fashion, first round, guillotine choke, got it done, locked it in, fight over, could honestly fight next week if he had to, didn't take no damage. And uh, Kev, I'm going to hand it to you. This this is your guy. This was your pick. You had it right. Let me hear. Let me hear your thoughts,
1: Like, Y'all really had me running around thinking I was crazy. Like I kept telling people, like, yo, they think this. I'm watching that countdown. Like, yo, they think this Paris motherfucker is gonna beat John Jones. I'm watching the motherfucking embedded. Like, Brett, this man's over here laughing, joking, playing FIFA right now. You really think he's gonna beat John Jones? <laughs> this man motherfucker called John Jones. You know, John Jones. He's a he's a GOAT. We we know. At the press conference, you called him a goat with a French accent. That's accent, which is way worse than just calling a normal man a goat with an American accent. There's no I, and then the thing about it, well, everything everybody said, you said it, DC said it, everybody in the Twitter chat said it. John Jones is not gonna have what it takes to handle these um to handle this um to handle Sergio because he moves like a lightweight and is built like a fucking Ford SUV truck. So I just didn't see what you what y'all saw. I saw somebody that almost somebody that got exposed a little bit fighting tied to a He lost to all um, motherfucking Naganu, even though Naganu's just better than he's the stronger than strongest motherfucker in the world. I just didn't see it the entire time. I was looking for what you guys saw, I couldn't see it.
0: Wanna well, know what we saw? <laughs> what we saw a heavyweight Dustin Poirier. I'm crying. That's what people have turned to him, and I think it's almost hit the nail on the head. And I would even say, like, if, if if you're a boxer, this is like the Anthony Joshua of UFC right here. Like, the way he looks, like, this is perfectly, like, he looks like a Greek god. He's built different. He's fast. He's strong. He looks like everything you would think of a fighter. But this man I, he's just not cut from the cloth that we see some of these real deal champions are cut from, which is like Nagano and John Jones now. Like there's a difference now. And John Jones, he congratulations, you just beat the toughest heavyweight fight there is in the UFC. I, I think like Don is the that guy. and yes, you can argue blades because he has the wrestling. But like, you're not going to beat John Jones at what he does. I'm sorry. I don't think Blades, even though he's a, a great wrestler, I just don't think if you're coming in there with the game plan of wrestling, you're going to beat John Jones. And then to, uh, uh, my boy, Tom Aspinall, he may be the last hope and savior of the heavyweight division. And even him, I don't, I there's going to be a tough day against John Jones because you're a smaller heavyweight. And John Jones is like, you're in his wheelhouse at that moment and then my boy sergey Pavlovich, who's been wrecking people i don't i just can't see you going in there and getting like a first round blitz ko over john jones so like john jones has just set himself up for like another three to four years of superiority and then to retire again possibly with another undefeated run at a different division and then you can't argue who's the goat like i think at that moment you the, the one and only answer of goat is John Jones? Because right now, some people still will argue GSP. Some people will argue Mar- Mighty Mouse. Some people may ar- argue Fedor. But if John Jones does a second run at heavyweight and is absolutely demolishes the top five guys in the next two three years, and then retires again, he's gonna be on like his Tom Brady sit, where he completely separated himself from the pack of other goats. Where he's like, okay, when we talk about goat of this sport, there's one person. Bat, bat. Nah. Ah. Hey, hey ah. one of my favorite parts of the whole thing when he won the fight even izzy laughed at it when john jones was like i want to shout out my lord and savior shout out to uh jesus jesus christ jesus christ like I, why <laughs> did he say it like, the second time he said it he said it like so jesus christ <laughs> like, like what was what was john jones on with that shit, I I thought I was so hilarious. But like John Jones went from a person I thought was the big, I hated him. I didn't like his personality. I didn't like who he was. I thought he was a fake person trying to. Uh, but this new John Jones, if it's not a gimmick, I can completely get behind.
1: I think this new John Jones is the old John Jones, and he just understands who he is now. I think John Jones misunderstood John Jones. Imagine. Imagine being blessed with the talents and gifts he has. Nine months after training nine months he had his MMA debut. After about like four or five fights, he's in the MMA. He's in the UFC. And then he's over there fucking people up, wrecking shit.
0: Knocks off Shogun Rua. And then at
1: twenty what, twenty-two years old?
0: Yeah.
1: And then motherfucking goes. And now he and then goes on the run that he's been on, and he hasn't lost since. Since he got a 12 6 elbow on the motherfucker. If you argue who the GOAT is, you can they say what you say, but we know. We know who the motherfucking best ever is. And his next fight is against Speed Bay, it's going to be against Speed Bay, so that's going to be interesting. But how do you feel about him calling Francis a big pussy? I, So,
0: it- that back and forth kind of—I don't know where to pick my side yet because I do believe—I don't know who threw the first stone. That's my—I don't know if Francis said anything. I think Francis
1: John tweeted it first.
0: No, no, that no, he tweeted that, but the first stone way before it was because this was happening in the pre-fights for Gone when they were talking about Francis and his comments was, "Oh, Francis was offered eight million dollars. He could have took—he uh, could have took the fight, but he was just scared." And I was just like, "Come on, man, you know Francis Nagano was not scared. Like that's the one like you could say a lot of things. If they say Nagano was scared of you, like kinda, you kind of that boy, I because right now I'm on my whole, Francis Ngannou's a folk hero. Like Francis Nagano could have took the biggest contract, UFC history, been a superstar, but he he wanted equal rights for all these fighters. Like he wanted people to be be uh, set up right. And then for John Jones to be like, oh, he could have took my fight, but he was scared. That's when I was like, okay, John Jones, like hey, that was another reason why I was rooting for my boy gone. I was like, all right, put this, put John Jones in his place because this man is talking a little reckless. But then fast forward when Francis Nogano says the tweet like, oh, congratulations, uh, coming from the the the, the world heavyweight champ or something. He said his little line. I was like, oh, okay, Nogano. I hate when people take their time, like when it's supposed to be someone else's day. And then they do that shit. It's like, yo, let John Jones do like you had your time, let John Jones have his time. You can say that shit afterwards, but not on the day of during the biggest moment. So that then that rubbed me the wrong way with Naganu. So when Jones responded with that response, I was with Team John Jones. But I don't know what team I'm really on with now. Because I just don't know if John Jones started it when he was the one that was like, oh, Nagano was scared of me. That's why he didn't come to the UFC, come back to UFC. So I'm going to let that shit kind of boil up some more before I really pick my side on it. But my big thing is John Jones, new UFC pound-for-pound list. He's ranked number one, number one UFC fighter, number two, Volk, number three, Islam. And people people did point out Islam fought Volkanovski. Islam was fighting for the number one pound-for-pound spot. He beat Volkanovski, and then now he's ranked number three. Like it was, they were like, like he, like his Volkanovski is fine for the belt, whereas Islam's is fine for number one. He won the fight, and then a week later, he moves down to like number three on the pound for pound list. No, that's funny.
1: I mean, I just look at it is that by doing that, it becomes a little more illegitimate, less, not illegitimate, but less legitimate. Like it's less like, oh yeah, number one, he's number one, pound for pound. I personally, I understand why, because last time he was ranked, it was number one. He comes back, beats the shit out of Brent in 80 seconds. Notice that we haven't talked about the fight much, because there wasn't much to talk about. He got... It was quick. He, he, he must have caught zero Grounds. Most damage was during that nut shot. And then motherfucking after that, John Jones took his ass down, caught his ass in that nice-ass neck crank. I don't think he got his chin. I don't think he got his arm under his chin. But that neck crank was so hard. And I bet you Gone didn't practice for that motherfucker and got to tap me. Like, oh yeah, like,
0: whoo, help me. Huh. No, and like that's what I saying. like Gone. Gone may be the toughest test, but also Gone is like. I don't like Gone is a top. Like he's the Dustin Poirier. I just feel like if the person just came in, I that's why I'm okay with John Jones being number one. Cause he just beat, he came back and just beat like. That's like if Conor came back and then he went to welterweight and beat a Colby Covington in a, in a pretty – at like a knockout fashion.
1: We should,
0: yeah, we'd be saying here like, okay, like, fuck. Like, okay, we have to put a lot of respect to like Conor McGregor. So I'm okay with him being number one. I think Volkanovsky is still number one. I think he's number one in a lot of people's hearts still. And John Jones, he, it's, it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way because, yeah, you'd be gone, but a lot of people like you – it's like okay, you'd be gone. So what? Like I got, that guy was never really champion of anything. So like, but John Jones, I think in the next three years, for I don't think he's gonna run have like a five ten year run. I think he's gonna have like a three four year run. And in the next three four years, I think he's gonna show the world like okay, like time to put me into. A, I'm a solo goat. There's no when you could talk about goat UFC, just talk about me, and there are some other great fighters as well.
1: Hey, what's my shirt say, Paul?
0: The greatest.
1: Bah, bah. That's all I got to say, mate. I'm right. I, I, would, I would personally put him in number three and let him work his way back up to number one. But, hey, man, it is what it is, man. As long as Islam is down one, I'm okay with that.
0: Oh, well, All right. Let's, let's end it right there. It was a good UFC 25 was a banger from start to finish. We got some more. We got UFC Fight Night, Yon versus Fasha Billy. It's going to be a banger coming up this weekend. So stay tuned for that if you're going to watch the picks. But as always, if y'all didn't know, this has been Totally Blitz Podcast. We broke down UFC 285. We'll be back for some more. And this is Paul, pick and win Contra, joining with Kev, Waterboy, the Street Fighter, Savoy, Goat Talk himself. Y'all ain't know. Well, now y'all know, motherfuckers.
1: Measurements, plug here, let em in Passing out the medicines We've been on
0: that rockstar regimen Knowing that I'm heaven sent Higher than I ever been I got a problem with being problematic.
1: Get the light beam on me ready for electrostatic Don't you step into this box if you're not batting Then my gang got tools, you can call them boy credit. Since so this ain't not new, in the season maxing All I'm saying is true, you better stop your capping Like can we leave your ass all in the past?